Hey girl, hey! Thanks for tuning in to Busy Loving Jesus, a podcast dedicated to helping women fulfill their purpose and passions. I am your host, Kayla Garner, creator of the KG Lifestyle, which is your resource for wellness with a faith-based focus. So what does being purposed, empowered, and called look like for faith-filled businesswomen? Let's get into it. I'll be chatting with guests about how they fulfill their purpose and passions by using what the good Lord gave them. Plus, we'll explore popular lifestyle topics like career, faith, and wellness. Today's episode is going to be a little bit gritty because I'm not going to edit it much and I don't really have a script for it, but I want to talk about my career um, and how I have increased my income 71% in the last year and a half or just the foundation of my career. And so I have my notes in front of me, um, like I said, unscripted. We're just going to get into this career podcast and I'll do a separate entrepreneurship one. I really didn't touch as much on this um, or that piece of my background because it's just a lot as well. Um, And so if you all have questions about that, we'll get into that later. But let's get into this career, specifically the last 10 years. So like I said, this is just me and you hanging out on the couch um, and talking about really the foundation, right? The history um, that I have, which is kind of bizarre, but we'll get into that. Um, Me and making my comeback into corporate America and then how I am securing the bag, how I came back ready for vengeance, um, saith the Lord, you know, let me stop playing. So let's start with the history. Um, If you followed me for a while, you may know some of this. So just bear with me. But I want to try to give a good um, kind of well-rounded history of my professional career. So um, I went to college, second one in my family to go to college. I went to San Diego State University, go Aztecs in San Diego, which is the city I'm from as well. Um, I got a degree in poli-sci, so political science and Africana studies. Um, so I got a, a, that was my major, right? Political science. And then my minor was Africana studies. Wanted to be a whole lawyer, a whole international lawyer. I wanted to, um, you know, fight for all of the rights of all of the people. And um, God was like, nah. Um, so I didn't really know that until later. And I can get into that a little later. But after I got that degree, um, I went ahead and kind of just got pushed into HR, which is human resources, a lot of recruitment um, and a lot of onboarding. Right. So training, onboarding, that kind of thing is what I I was doing as an HR specialist or an HR coordinator and then eventually as an HR manager. And I worked for companies like Leap Wireless, which is now Cricket or Qualcomm, right? I was helping to hire um, these engineers um, at these companies. And so that um, that was an interesting time as well. Qualcomm, and if you didn't know, was based in San Diego. So Really cool opportunity there. And then when that ended, or really towards the end um, of my time in HR, I was sitting, I remember this so vividly, in my office. I, I At the time, I was working as an HR manager for um, a company that made the wave machines that are on cruises and um, 
they own Belmont Park in San Diego, which is right in Mission Valley. Um, shout out to anybody from San Diego, um, if you know about what I'm talking about. But it was called Wave House, and um, they make these machines that really like simulate or make, you know, use water to create these waves that help you, you know, practice your skill or just, you know, make fun of your friends who are literally trying to, to stay up on their boogie board or their surfboard and, and they're constantly falling down. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. Anyways, I was helping to hire people for this company. And I just remember sitting and thinking, and I think this was not long after Michael Jackson passed away. And I remember crying and, and watching his um, funeral at work. You know, my boss and I were like, just distraught and I just remember thinking not too long after that like I this is not my life like this is not what I want to do what happened to that political science what's going on working on campaigns like that was my life in college right as a poli sci major I knew I wanted to either be in politics not as a candidate but maybe as a campaign manager or something right um, some level of activism was something that was near and dear to my heart. And I just remember thinking like, as I'm hiring these people or helping with the website or whatever it was that I was doing in HR there, um, this just isn't it. And I'm steps away from the ocean, which if you know me, you know, is my favorite place on earth. And so I literally took my lunch breaks at, on the Pacific ocean. Like it was, amazing. However, I remember thinking, um, you know, and telling a friend actually, like, I just want to go to Africa and teach English. And so I quit my job um, because I ended up getting, um, this is the power of manifestation. This is the Holy Spirit listening. This is God's divine power intervening into my life after I said that. And I put that out there and an opportunity came up for me to go teach English in Sudan again. You may know this. So again, bear with me. But I went, um, packed up all my stuff, put it in storage. And eventually, it took like three months, I feel like. But <laughs> eventually, I got over to Sudan. Um, at the time, it was now it's called North Sudan. Um, but I went to Sudan, Khartoum to be exact. And taught fifth, eighth, and ninth grade English at a private private school. And so that was, the, of course, the opportunity of a lifetime. But it really put, you know, my career in like this weird place. I didn't know what I wanted to do um, after that. I just knew I needed to take that opportunity. I think I remember saying to myself, you know, if this doesn't work out, I can always jump back into HR. I feel like HR is just one of those roles where you can kind of come back into it and not um, have missed too much. And so um, it still was somewhat of a detour. It still was somewhat of a pause, but I thought it was well worth it. And it was, it was absolutely worth it. Traveling that entire region from Ethiopia to Egypt to Dubai at the time, um, you know, it it was a cool experience, but you know, that time came to an end and I had to come back home. Um, and instead of pursuing teaching, right, I 
had, you know, been tutoring and I had been kind of facilitating these conversations with some of the locals around the politics there. And I had been volunteering with the Carter Foundation to, um, you know, make sure that their, uh, the, the Sudanese elections were going to be fair, which is what their purpose was. Um, look up the Carter Foundation if you're not familiar. You're pretty amazing. But, you know, it got me tapped back into, hey, don't you remember you went to school to become this lawyer, to become this people, you know, this this fighter for people's rights. And so it ignited that again in me. And so when I came back to America, my mom at the time was li- living in Indianapolis, Indiana. Woo! And uh, <laughs> no shade. No shade. It's just a very different place um, from the West Coast or San Diego. Let's just leave that there. Uh, But I came and lived with her for about four months, I think it was. And it was the dead of winter. Like, I think I came there in January. And then um, I eventually moved away in May. But um, that those four months was a lot. It was a lot. Um, And it was my first opportunity to really figure out, okay, what is it that I want to do? Um, I've told this story many times. When I came back from Africa, I could not find a job f- doing nothing. Like, it was crazy. I tried to jump back into HR, right? Like, what I told myself um, I could do. But instead, what I ended up having to do was applying for receptionist jobs. And maybe I can go work over here as an assistant or something and and you know this is around 2009 2010 and i think you know the economy was still recovering from the big collapse in 2008 2007 i think it was and so i think you know indianapolis just when it wasn't it it wasn't it and so i remember putting my resume on monster and i got a call um from uh, a large telecommunications and uh, yeah, large telecommunications company. And um, when I got the call from them, I was like, okay, this is interesting. Maybe this is something I can pursue. Um, my interview was over the phone, and it really was more so about my background um, in Africa, right? And and their curiosity about this. Um, this was a team of switch engineers and data engineers. Of course, all men, when it comes to engineering, that is, that's pretty probable. Um, and so when I ended up taking this job and moving to Detroit, Michigan, which is another scary leap, um, because all I knew of Detroit was, it's so cold and deep. That song, that's all I knew. Like, that's it. (laughs) So I was like, I don't know where I'm going, but me and my turtle are going to go up there and we're going to figure this thing out. And so me and Leo at the time, um, that's a whole nother story, too, if you don't know. (laughs) Uh, But Leo and I moved up to Detroit, Michigan, and I started my career in engineering in 2011. So that is like literally kind of the history Um, I am technically still in that vein professionally in corporate America. I still work for the same company I came to in 2011. And so um, I definitely uh, enjoyed my time there in Michigan and and really used it to use the opportunity to kind of catapult my way towards what I thought I wanted to do. And so 
um, you know, new city in Detroit, Michigan, new field, right? Yeah, I had, you know, helped to coordinate and hire these engineers in HR, right? But to actually be a circuit designer or be, you know, the person who's working on circuit paths and building those out in a system or a database or, you know, learning about IP control and figuring out subnetting and all of these different things that I had no background in um, was definitely a challenge. One thing I think I skipped, and this is just the nature of not having a script, is when I came back and I was in Indianapolis, I started making natural hair videos and that was the launch of my YouTube channel. Again, I can, you know, do another podcast on entrepreneurship. But while I was making those videos, I was preparing my applications and taking the LSAT to go to law school because like I said, I was re you know, that fire inside of me to do um, you know, international law or law was you know, sparked. And so I did not get into any of the 22 schools that I applied to. Um, And I only applied to 22 because I had a fee waiver. (laughs) Let's be real. Um, So, uh, but 22, y'all, 22 um, schools decided not to give me admittance. And so to me, That was a very clear sign that that was not what I was supposed to do. And so that's why I believe I was so open to saying, okay, let me try out this opportunity in Detroit because this ain't it, right? Like I definitely am not the person to be in um, in, in law, at least right now. And and I really felt that. I still feel that. And I'm really thankful for making that decision instead of, you know, allowing it to 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 make me feel like a failure or um, stagnate me or, or keep me stuck. Right. I think it's important to take those moments where you feel like, OK, this might not be it. And of course, I wasn't like happy about it, right? There was definitely some level of disappointment, but it was just so clear to me at that time that that was just not God's path for me. And so I took this other path up to Detroit, Michigan as a circuit designer and worked on all of these engineering things under these six men who, you know, just took me under their wing and taught me everything um, that they knew or could possibly teach me. Um, and eventually, you know, I just threw myself into projects and anytime someone, especially a leader, um, asked if I'd want to be a part of it, they really were open to me being a part of it. And I was a contractor, so, you know, I'm not even sure how much of that was allowed, uh, cause you know, there's different rules when it comes to contractors and what they're supposed to do, what they're not supposed to do. But I said, bump all that get me on that project. I want to do this. Yes, I have the bandwidth. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and I really did have the bandwidth. I mean, I once I catch on to something, I kind of just master it. I figure out how to do it extremely efficiently and then I move on. And so I did have a little bit more free time. Um, and so the executive director at the time in that area I had a project for me to work on. And so I, like I said, jumped on that, did a really good job And then when my actual contract was coming up to um, be terminated or, you know, just end, 
everyone was like, we've got to find Kayla a job, right? This is a great person, a great um, employee, I should say, right? Someone that we want at the company. And, you know, these are things that they told me to my face. And so I was like, I mean, yeah, let's figure out how to find me a job, especially because y'all talking about these bonuses, (laughs) y'all talking about this good, you know, pay and health insurance and all of these things. And so I was like, bet. Um, at the time I was dating somebody in, um, well, at the, at the time he was moving to New Jersey. And so I was open to moving to New Jersey. Um, and so I landed a position that gave me the choice to, to move to Texas or New Jersey. And I went ahead and moved to New Jersey, um, to be, you know, closer to him. And uh, I was so miserable, but I will just say it was a really good test of resilience, right? Because it was a new position. This is my, you know, I'm a network engineer three at this point. Um, So I jumped from being this contractor to a a network engineer three at the headquarter level and, you know, overseeing this process, um, and these automations and all of this stuff. And I was like, wow, okay, God, you've put me here for a reason. Let me let me show up and show out. Um, and so I was able to throw myself into work because I really did not enjoy New Jersey. I think, you know, the weather and um, just the different culture there, It's everything is different, I believe, because of the weather. I remember telling someone, like, I'm so used to just opening my door and being able to put on my slippers and going outside. <laughs> that that's my that's my foundation. That's how I grew up. Here you got to do all the things and it, it just, the weather just it um for me it really kept me from doing a lot of things I wanted. And what's weird about this is I didn't notice how difficult the winters were in Detroit cuz I was there for three and a half years. And so um, I think Detroit has more culture that helped me to level out, right? Um, some of the weather challenges that I was having in New Jersey, where in New Jersey, I was just completely isolated. I, I was in New York every weekend um, and only lasted there about nine months. <laughs> then I said, all right, listen, me and my boo ain't even together no more. What am I doing here? Let me get to Texas um, because that, again, is where the position also was able to be based out of. And so I went down to Texas, been here ever since, um, moved with that same position. So I just moved myself. And then, you know, sometimes workforce reductions take place. And so um, that was one of the things that happened to me. This episode is brought to you by Betterness Box. The lifestyle subscription service curated specifically for Black women that delivers wellness to your doorstep and helps you achieve the lifestyle you deserve. Betterness Box was created to help you take yourself off of the back burner. With boxes shipped to your front door every three months, you get all the books, the candles, the workout gear, skincare products, and more that help you achieve a life rooted in wellness. Tune in to our Wellness Wednesdays every week at 7 p.m. Central for a midweek check-in. Come and kiki alongside other betterness bays every third Sunday of the month. And once a quarter, join our group therapy sessions led by licensed practitioners. We like to call that the sister circle. 
Betterness Box serves a community of women dedicated to well-being where you get to define how you heal, rest, and restore. Use code LETUSTRANSCEND at betternessbox.com for a discount on our latest box before they sell out. That's let us transcend at betternessbox.com. Now let's get back to this episode. So before I get into what happened when my position was eliminated, I just want to kind of recap on how I was able to progress the way that I did, right? From coming from a contractor and circuit designer to a network engineer three. Um, I was really, really open to learning, right? So when someone, one of the, I think he was a data engineer, one of the data engineers said, hey, I want you to go into this switch room. Well, maybe he was a switch engineer. Now that I think about it. Yeah. (laughs) He said, go into this switch room and map out every fiber tabs. And so, you know, this is any networking person would know this that has ever been to a switch. There's huge machines that are in this room and it's temperature controlled and uh, which means cold um, (laughs) because the machines run hot. So you've got to kind of level that out. Right. But there are fibers that actually, you know, shoot the data that we're sending um, to each other. And, without trying to get too complicated, there's a, a tag on there that really tells you where it's coming from and where it's going to, right? Just how the circuit, um, how those circuits are designed. And so it's a path that those circuits travel. And so I was given the task because apparently this was not done anywhere else to go into these switch rooms and literally map out every single fiber tab that was in on, on these network nodes or network machines. And they're tiny, I mean, tiny, and you can't, you know, touch them too much because if you do, then you could literally mess up like hundreds of calls um, or hundreds of sessions, right? Like there's, you just gotta be really careful. And so I could have said, bump this, like, let me go find another job, but, I'm sitting in this room with a big coat on mapping this stuff out, literally like writing down where this tab is going to this tab because I knew that I was learning something that was going to lay the foundation for a new career that I was interested in. I liked engineering. I really liked learning how to do these somewhat complex, but really just different things, right? Um... And so for me, I think you have to have the right mentality to learn those skills. And I was just so fortunate to write to have these teachers who who would, you know, check on me in the switch room and be like, no, 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 this goes over here and this goes over here. That's how that works. And I asked all the questions, y'all. If you know me personally, you know I'm just a very curious person in general. And so I'm asking about why these fibers are going up on the roof and how how they're being, you know, why is it important that they're they're designed this way and and why, you know, why are these certain fibers going to this machine and these over here and oh, there's redundancy in another city. Like all of the questions and I was absorbing it all because 
I really enjoyed it, but I also knew, like I said, that I was making an investment into what I could take um, and and get put towards my next role, right? These are all things I can put on my resume to say, oh yeah, I know about an SGW and you know all these different machines and how they work together and um, what what IPs right like go on them and all these different things. So I think it really helped me to um, to have that opportunity and be able to say to myself, okay, bet this might be a good opportunity for me to run with. So workforce reduction, right? We know what that means. I was fired, um, but really my position was eliminated. Once I got down to Texas, I was now working side by side with my counterpart, whereas you know we were virtually communicating um, and we really were a really tight team. Like we were the only two that owned this tool and the usability and the adaptability for it and all of these things. And so it was like, all right, my learning went exponential. And I'm like, hey, um, his name's Kelvin. Kelvin, (laughs) like, let's do this. And he'd be up for it. He'd be up for like making things more efficient and figuring out, okay, who do we need to talk to to make that happen? And, you know, he would come up with ideas and then we'd implement those. And so I could see that as I got more and more efficient with um, the processes that there was less need, right, um, for my position. And so um, once it was eliminated, I was like, okay, what does this mean? Like, what, what options do I have? Because I had invested time into networking, right, not only had... I had my team back in Michigan, but I also had my um, employee resource group um, family, really, at that time. It, it was amazing to, to see how, you know, you can leverage these professional groups and it really means something, right? Because you're always giving and giving and giving. If you're ever a part of an ERG, a BRG, whatever resource group, right, that you have at your um, place of work, you know that you can leverage those relationships or you should be able to leverage those relationships, especially because you are giving so much to those positions. Often, often we are. And let me tell you, I was, okay? Um, I definitely was a very active member of the Black ERG at my job. And so working on the national board, I think at that time, the communications chair, um, there was a lot. It wasn't just communications that I was over. I was over kind of just figuring out what's going to be our new name and how does that get communicated out to the masses and how should the structure of our ERG even been be? Um, at that time, there was just a lot of transition. And so I kind of stepped in and became a, a gap filler And so um, once the news came, you know, I got a call from my boss at the time or my manager at the time who's like, "Okay, girl, your your position is one of those that's going to be eliminated. I was like shocked and I was kind of like, whoa, scared. Um, But then, you know, immediately after I had a call with the president of the ERG and he was like, Oh, bet. I need to make some calls because this ain't happening. Like you ain't going nowhere. And so from that morning that I had been given the notice that I was going to be, my position was going to be eliminated in two months 
to the end of that day, I had three potential positions that I could pursue in the same day. That is what the power of leveraging good relationships looks like, right? The the ability to say, okay, I don't know what's going to happen, but hey, this is what it is, um, was huge. It's just huge. And so um, I don't want to harp on that, but I just want to make sure to highlight that, you know, if you leverage the right relationships, if you do a good job, um, even when you're not asked to, you're just given different opportunities. And I'm not saying like kill yourself over volunteering or doing whatever the thing is. I'm just saying be strategic about what it is you're doing. And so for me, being a part of the Black ERG was was a blessing. Like I loved making sure that the Black experience at, you know, employee experience at my job was, um, you know, enjoyable. And and how could I make it better? There were things I didn't like about the Black experience at my job. How can I make that better? Boom, I'll get to work on that. I'm not just going to complain about it. I I put myself onto those projects um, and started to make things happen. And so it was somewhat of a blessing in disguise for sure. Um, and I was so thankful for those opportunities that I was given, like I said, in the same day. And I was really just asked to like, okay, girl, which, which one do you want to take? Cause we got to get this moving. And I really took a minute and sat back and said to myself, nah, I think I'll actually take the check. And by check, I mean the severance package. And so, um, I ended up taking a package and and that was my plan to make sure to invest in the business that I had just started with my line sister called Betterness Box Um, and invest my time into that, right? And say, oh my gosh, there's so many things. What, What I said to myself was, there are so many things that I want to do with this business. And in order to do them, it's really gonna take someone dedicating a lot more time than I'm able to. And so I've always been a side hustler, like always. And so for me, it just was a, you know, an easy decision to say, okay, well, if I take this, oh, and I also get this bonus next year. Well, what, what, how long could that sustain me? And what, what do I think I could do to make this thing blow up? And so um, I did that. I did that for an entire year and almost a half um, of sustaining and creating content um, on my platforms and, you know, slowly but surely dwindling down this severance that I got. And um, it was an amazing experience. And like I said, I can talk about entrepreneurship on another podcast, but girl, let me tell you, bills 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 <laughs> i i am super upset right now <laughs> um i thought that this was recording the entire time i finished the entire episode and then looked back at my phone and was like oh bet okay it stopped recording like 20 minutes ago so let me figure out how to catch y'all up um, to where I thought you were um, and make sure to explain kind of this transition into corporate or back to corporate, I should say. So this is the comeback, right? Um, it really is 
the outline of what it means to have different energy, different energy, very different energy when you, um, and if you decide to really think, okay, corporate is for me. Um, and I'm still not sure. So let, let that be encouragement to you. Um, I did, I did have these bills. I did have a mortgage and, um, I had sustained, but it was time. It was, it was time because as I was forecasting, I was like, yeah, I'm going to run out of money and I'm not going to be able to do this. Uh, the bank is going to ask for their monies and I'm not going to have it. And so, um, I made a call back to this my company that I had worked at previously. I met with um, someone for lunch, and the next week there was a position that they recommended for me. It was a demotion, um, but I was like, you know what? We just going to have to take this one and make it happen. And so um, I interviewed for the position and started like the week after. It was a very quick process. I didn't even have the uh, opportunity to look into any others. And I really had wanted to get like into marketing and maybe look at that kind of stuff. Um, But it just, nothing was clicking um, and especially not as quickly as it needed to for me to, you know, make a decision before the opportunity or window closed for this position. And so, um, you know, again, network, (laughs) my network and the, the way that I leveraged my network really helped me get back into corporate um and basically that was what april 2019 um i was you know an engineer 3 as i mentioned before um i left and then when i came back i was an associate tech <laughs> um which is you know now they've changed the name to engineer 1 so just you know per- for perspective from an engineer three for, you know, doing that job for five-ish years down to an engineer one. Very humbling experience. And um, when people ask me, you know, how was that experience or how was that? I have a phrase, you know, I have a soundbite to describe that period of my life. And um, it is ugh, mm-hmm, ugh, because into the thick of it, into the thick of it, ugh. <laughs> I don't even know if I did that right, but listen, that was exactly what it was like. It was just like that for me. It was very much so a testing of my patience. You know, going into an hourly position at that point was very different than I had done in the last, what, eight years, if not more. And so, going into, you know, a position where your time is tracked and your work is tracked, you know, lots of micromanaging happening, which is just not the the best environment for me to perform. And so it just was a tough, tough position for me. Um, but I did the work. I learned. I, I got back to that curiosity that I had before, right? Where I'm just like, teach me everything because I'm going to use this somehow, some way, don't know, but we're going to do the work now so that I can leverage this in the future. And so um, in June, 2020, so just a, about a year after I came back, I got, you know, the natural career present. I got the... Uh, 
And then, and so in June, 2020, I got the natural career progression to an engineer too. Um, but this was a little different because as soon as I got that promotion, I was given the opportunity to go to an ERG function, the Black History Month um, program that was held at headquarters in New Jersey. And so I traveled up there, which was an unheard of thing for someone in my position. But because of my history with the ERG um, and, you know, my really I was looking forward to figuring out where my new place in the ERG would be. Um, I, you know, got up to, to, uh, to New Jersey and while there, right, this is headquarters. And so there are different leaders here. There are different, um, opportunities to meet with people. And so I sent messages to my executive director, um, some other directors and other, um, you know, high, higher level management employees that, I was really trying to foster relationship with. And so um, when I met with my executive director at the time, it was really a a great conversation, really only supposed to take 15 minutes of, you know, just connecting. But an hour later, we're talking about the different inefficiencies in his department where I worked um, and what I was observing and even some of the solutions that I had thought through, you know, even when I came back, maybe I would say five to six months after I had gotten back, I was asked if I would like to be on the progression you know, track to become a supervisor. But that was not the right thing for me. And so, and I can get into that later, but I knew that there were so many things that we could do to make that department run better and to really change the culture within the department. Um, and so what I, I told this executive director was that and, and gave him some of the solutions that I thought could really help. And so by the end of that conversation, it was no longer a, hey, are there any areas in the business you would, th- you know, you think that I, I would be a good fit for? It was more so, no, I need you to be in my department um, because you're clearly someone who who gets it and who um, I deem you know valuable, and so um, he was like, "What do you want to do?" And at that point, I was ready to give that answer. That's another thing that I think is really important. We always talk about like you know, make sure you're leveraging your network and make sure you're mentoring and or or you know you have mentors, etc. But are you ready for the next thing? Have you kind of figured out where you want your next opportunity to be? I had. I knew the people that I needed to be connected with and I needed to be on that team, right? That team was the team that was doing automations and system efficiencies and all kinds of processes that I had, you know, originally done as an engineer three. So why wouldn't I want to be on that team? So it was a pretty easy um you know, thing for me to to leverage and say, hey, this is a good fit for me. And by the time I got back to New Jersey, not long after I was presented by a manager on that team with a position and really asked, does this sound good? (laughs) Right. So I'm literally giving feedback based on what I feel like my new job should be. And so it was a really cool opportunity. I'm very, very thankful for the opportunity to do that. And I only really did it for let's see, June, July, August. 
So I did that for three months um, in this position that I really created and helped create. And then that manager needed a supervisor. And out of all of his team who had been there for years, he decided that I would be the best fit. Didn't I almost didn't even apply for the position because there was some imposter syndrome there as well. A supervisor is, you know, someone who manages a team, who manages people. And I just was not sure it was my time. Well, God saw fit. Um, and I became the supervisor first and only for that group. And so um, that was an amazing opportunity. Again, that's my second promotion um, in 2020. And I managed that team of developers and um, really thought through our reporting analytics, all of the things for a year, which I loved. I loved that team. I, I still, you know, I keep in contact with them. I, they are the best. And so um, I miss managing them, but I knew that it was time for me to jump to the next opportunity right around that year mark again. So um, in October, I started a new position in a completely different area of the business. Um, but now I'm a manager and um, really learning how to do all the things. It's been, what, a month. So <laughs> really lots to learn because um, I'm no longer in my like comfort zone, right, of systems and automation as much as I was. And so um, I think it's really important to really pause here and take notice of what happened and what happened was I was given three promotions in a year and a half. I increased my income by 57%. If you include bonuses, I increased my income by 71%. And that doesn't even touch on stock options and some of the other things in my compensation package, right? Bottom line, I did not come to play. Um, and, and what's crazy is even as an engineer three, I honestly made about the same as I did. I made, let's just put it out there. I made $8,000 more when I was an engineer three than when I was an engineer one, when I first came back. And so just thinking through that is like, whoa, <laughs> that means, you know, all of those years that I was an engineer three, I still wasn't progressing like I probably needed to and got stagnant, et cetera, which also led to my decision, right, to do something different, um, which I absolutely do not regret at all. But coming back, there was obviously a different type of fire. It wasn't like I got another certification. It wasn't like I went and got another degree. I just put my foot to the pedal. I asked questions. I learned I were retained information, right? I was able to show results in all of the work that I did, whether that be, you know, being asked to, I'm trained and then three weeks later, I'm asking, I'm being asked to train new people coming in. Okay, cool. Let me do that, right? Um, what does it look like to make my own position? Well, clearly I know what I'm talking about if I'm given the opportunity to create my own position. So things like that um, have been, amazing opportunities. And by the grace of God, right, I've been given those opportunities, but I had to be prepared for them. And so I think it's just really important to, to say and note the difference between, you know, that first time in corporate and this time in corporate 
is I ain't playing with nobody. Um, And so I know I just kind of skimmed past this, but increase my income by 57%. What does that even mean? So just as an example, if you're kind of confused or don't really know the numbers like that, here's an example. Say you make um, 50K. You make 50K a year before taxes. And if you get a 50% increase in your income, you take 25,000, basically half of 50K, and add that to your current salary, totaling 75. So literally, a 50% increase takes you from 50,000 a year to 75K a year. So it's not, you know, your merit increases per year, probably like 3%, right? If you get a promotion, sometimes those are between 5 and 7%. No, in the last year and a half, I've gotten an increase of 57%. So I just think it's really important to take note. Having the approach with confidence and preparedness is crucial if you are trying to climb the corporate ladder in a way that I am, right? Um, You may not be like me. (laughs) You may be someone who's like, I'm straight. Or maybe you're finding value in some other area, right? Um, You may be finding value where you're like, oh, I'm learning something super cool and I need at least a couple years in this so that I can strategically leverage that for my next, you know, position or my next goal or where I want to be next. That's completely okay. But for me, it's been about the bag, especially having been in this, you know, industry in this company for as long as I had. And so coming back, like I said, was just a different kind of energy. Q&A time. All right, y'all. I feel like I've been rambling somewhat. Um, Maybe it does make sense for me to have a script. Um, Y'all let me know if you like hearing this kind of raw uncut version or if you're like, girl, please, let's, let's get back to the scripted versions of this because I can't I can't take it um let me know but yeah let's get to these questions I posted you know when I first on my first day of this newest um, promotion I posted that you know I had started and recognized you know even to myself that this was my third promotion in a year and a half and so um everyone was asking questions and so I, I kind of took those down and want to make sure to um to answer them so let's get into it the first question says um what was the transition like going from full-time entrepreneur back to corporate um into the thick of it <laughs> literally still I'm just going to stick beside it. Ugh. Okay. It was not easy. It was a challenge, like I said, of endurance, of trust in God um, and making really the best of every day. Because let me tell you, I said the comeback was doing the work, right? So that I could now get to the level that I'm at today. But really, it was saying to myself, even though this is the worst, like this is not what I want to be doing and it is literally tearing me apart some days, I'm going to try to make the best of every day and really soak up everything that I can possibly learn. Like a wet rag, right? And you're like, oh, it's cold and it's, it's wet. 
but I'm going to ring that ish (laughs) until there's not a drop of water in that towel or that rag. I am going to take everything out of this season that I'm supposed to take. And that's what I did. Um, And I did it with a smile on my face, which is why I think I was as well-received and continue to be well-received, especially in the industry that I'm in, um, but specifically as an engineer, right? Um, Being very unassuming. It's somewhat of a feminine energy kind of trait where, you know, I'm not showing up as this super... um, My mom always likes to describe it as like, I am woman, hear me roar, right? Like, I'm not coming up in there being a lion, or I guess, a, yeah, a lion. I'm coming in there being a lioness, you know? I'm yeah, strutting and stuff. Um, like I said, with a smile on my face, even though I'm like, oh, okay, bet. I see you tried to block that promotion for me, which did happen, by the way. Um, but I think there's just so many different things that can happen within corporate America and your reaction, um, your really your patience, And your strategy are extremely important, especially that strategy part, because just because you don't like a certain situation or someone is, you know, perhaps not your biggest advocate doesn't mean you can't get to where you want to go. They are they the CEO? If so, you need to bounce. But if they ain't like make it work. So, um, yeah, just really staying positive and knowing that, like I said, I'm wringing this rag or I'm building something brick by brick. It, it used to feel like I was putting up drywall with a sheet here and a sheet there, but now I'm just doing brick by brick. Maybe it's a little slower progression, but you'll still get to where you want to go if you stay, stay you know, with it, stay positive and do the work. Um, another question I got was, do you feel like your experience as an entrepreneur led to a successful return to corporate? Um, absolutely. Like I mentioned that hustle, it's just different. Um, and I think when I came back, I told myself that this was going to just be another tool to help me get to the freedom that I want, right? The freedom to own my time, the freedom to have a healthier lifestyle, to not be on somebody's clock, et cetera. I think that was probably why that was so difficult because I was going from like ultimate freedom of my time, right? Where I could choose when I wanted to work or um, for the most part, I could do a lot. I made my own schedule for sure as a full-time entrepreneur. But then that transition of going to not just like a salaried position where, you know, you do your work and that's your work, but you are being tracked minute by minute, not hour by hour, but like minute by minute. Oh yeah, that was rough. And so Um, for me, my mentality has always been that I want to eventually work for myself. So what does it look like to continue to use this as a tool? Oh, capital. Let me, let me get, get this done. Let me get this bag. Let me secure this. Um, and for as long as I want to, this is what it'll be. Um, until I figure out or until I decide when it's not right for me, um, (laughs) another question is are you still an entrepreneur every day all day that's my life (laughs) it's it's definitely something that I continue to take pride in Um, just a quick rundown 
I own and run an Airbnb business. I am the co-owner of the quarterly subscription box for Black women called Betterness Box. Yay! Uh, <laughs> I am one-third of the DEI Gurus, which is a consultant firm, a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant firm. And then I'm a coach at moneymovesformodernwomen.com. So yeah, to answer your question, I'm definitely still an entrepreneur. Next question. Um, let me see. How did you know it was time to go back to the corporate environment? Woo! Bills, bills, bills. Can you pay my bills? Can you pay my automobiles? Um, specifically my mortgage, right? I made sure to budget the best I could and, you know, sacrifices to my lifestyle while I was a full-time entrepreneur. Um, but my mortgage is my mortgage. And... <laughs> That ain't gonna, you can't decrease that too much. Um, and so, yeah, that was the reason what, that was really the main reason. Um, and like I said, I made the decision when I came back, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this for as long as I want to, as long as it, it seems like the right decision for me. And like I said, it is another tool, um, and, and diversifying my income and these streams that I'm working to build. Um, that's really what going back to corporate was. And then, um, I knew it was time because I was finding, and honestly, when I knew it was time and I was like, dang, am I giving up on like this entrepreneurship journey? Like people say it's hard. Like, am I supposed to sell my house? You know, which is absolutely an option. I definitely could have sold my house. And been like, all right, taking these these coins and I'm going to put it into whatever, right? And let's hope that that takes off. And it could have very well done that. But for me in my house, that wasn't the decision I made. And so I decided to you know, find other inspirational women that had done both and were doing both. Um, I really liked listening to Side Hustle Pro because that had a lot of people who were still using, you know... Um, using their corporate income and were side hustling, um, you know, in whatever businesses they had on the side. And honestly, if I can be real transparent, I think I knew I needed a little bit more discipline. Um, I needed to become more disciplined. I think I was getting there. I mean, after working, you know, for so, so, so long in corporate and then taking, you know, a year to pursue entrepreneurship, you don't really get to the point where you're, you know, got it down. And honestly, entrepreneurs will probably tell you they're learning how to figure out that discipline every day. Um, but for me, I knew I needed to have more discipline and I hadn't gotten to that point quite yet, which then prompted me to say, all right, let me figure this out. If I go to corporate, uh, my time is going to be split completely and it's going to force me to say, Kayla, do you really want this? And if you do, you've got to be very disciplined in order to get that done. And so for me, it was really saying to myself, all right, we're going to see and test if this is what you really want to do. In fact, I got a, a, a business coach after I came back and said, all right, let's figure out how to make this thing work. Now that I'm you know, working full time, how can I, um, how can I make this? thing that I know is for me, which is entrepreneurship work. Um, 
One of these other questions I really liked. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Um, have all of your new positions been promotions or more about self-care? I loved this question um, because it felt to me like, you know, this person understood you can be leaving a position just for your mental sanity. And so um, as I've mentioned throughout this podcast or maybe part one of this podcast, because I know these things are long, uh, is there have been mostly promotions, but the last one was actually because I knew I was valuable, right? Or more valuable than what I was um, being given. And not just compensation wise. I think I knew I was more valuable than the responsibilities even that I had been given. And I'd only been in that position for a year. Um, but when you know, you know. Uh, so for me, it was a kind of both, but mostly promotions. Um, and like i kind of outlined, right? Some of the positions I actually created myself. What skills do you think helped with the various promotions you got in a short time? Um, so really, I think doing the work, right? In that comeback phase, it was, I really needed to understand how the department ran and, um, you know, I was in network operations and troubleshooting. And so, really taking that in um i remember i think this was one of the first training courses so they do a lot of training in the department that i'm in which is awesome because you know some departments don't but because of that i took complete um <laughs> complete advantage of that and so i definitely remember training one day and there was a network flow basically how um, I think it was a data flow. So how data flows through our network. And there are, I think there's like 42 or 52 points, right? Where this data hits these different levels of the network. Like it, it gets kind of complicated, but I remember learning this and this training class and you know I had been working with systems and automation so even though I'd been in switch rooms and things like that I didn't know nothing about topology right this is called network topology and so I um remember taking notes in class and someone joked at the end one of the trainers was like and we want you to learn this by tomorrow and I was like okay cool they were like ha <laughs> no not really we're just saying you know that would be funny well, I took it as a challenge just because that's how I am. Sometimes I'm petty. And it really, it wasn't pettiness to me. It was really like, okay, I really want to understand this. And so that night I stayed up and I remember studying those 52 steps. And in the morning they asked the question like, okay, who knows all of the steps? And I raised my hand and I got up there with my little Sharpie or not Sharpie, the little dry erase marker and I mapped out all 52, explaining what each was doing at what stage, et cetera. You could hear a rat piss on cotton. Like you could hear a pin drop in the room. And I remember thinking to myself, like, did anybody else study this? Like, was I the only one? Um, and from there, I really had a reputation of being able to retain information, right? 
um, think critically around how some of these network concepts are and even give feedback on improvements and things like that. And so that was a day that really just set my my um, reputation out there. But that's a skill, right? Being able to be disciplined and, and think through, okay, what is this doing? What is this doing? Um, and take those opportunities because it really was a training opportunity, right? I wasn't technically doing a job. I was just being taught. And so if that's going to be my only uh, responsibility, I'm going to do that well. So taking those opportunities. And like I said, asking questions, asking all the questions. I asked so many questions. I would stop trainers all the time. I would stop people all the time. I would sit in shadow with people all the time. Like, how you do this? I don't get it. This system don't, uh-uh, explain it to me. I need to see it um, kind of thing. And I would just ask anybody who would, who was willing, which was basically everyone. Um, and to this day, I have really good relationships with even those people, right? Because they saw that I took an active interest in learning what it was that they were doing. Um, and... I think another thing was throughout the process, not just with that executive director I met with in New Jersey, but throughout those in those that first year especially, I was just always observing and offering solutions, right? Um, and then placing myself within that solution, saying to myself and to others, hey, this is a problem. I think this is maybe a solution. Here's where I am qualified to um, assist in providing this solution. And so, like I said, I was asked to be a Q supervisor not long after I first started and had, you know, had never trouble, done any kind of troubleshooting in the network um, prior to, but the management there saw that, oh no, she's she's got it. And so I think knowing at, at the time, I knew that was not it, right? I didn't want to be a part of that solution in that way. Um, I actually said, nope, not for me. <laughs> Being a Q supervisor, I know what that looks like. I've been observing that too. And that's not something I want to do. But I think... Um, being able to say, hey, this is what could happen. Y'all keep doing what you're doing, but I'm going to give you my feedback and say, hey, this this probably makes the most sense. So um, I think a lot of interpersonal, right? Of course, I had to have the technical knowledge, like I said, with the network topology and all kinds of different things when it comes to, to network engineering. But when it comes to how you are relating to others and management and and everything, right? Those interpersonal skills, I think, are what really catapulted me to where I am today. I got a lot of questions about balance. Um, how do you balance work and entrepreneurship if you're still doing both? Um, let me see... And another question about balance, how do you balance career, entrepreneurship, real estate, rental, side hustle, all the things? Um, the answer to that, and I keep, you know, I, I grapple with this question a lot and, and really the word balance, because I don't know that you can ever reach a perfect balance. And I want to be, you know, I want to reach a goal. And so I'm always saying to myself that you just have different focuses at different seasons of your life. I don't know that everything that's going on 
is going to be in perfect balance ever at one time. I think you can have it all, right? And we like to say, you know, you can have it all. You can, um, but I believe that to do your best, you can have it all um, in different seasons. And, And that's just me and that's just me learning, I think, as a solopreneur for the most part. Um, as a person who has businesses running with teams, et cetera, sure. Um, you know, having a team to help with all the things, whether that be professional or personal, that, you know, gives you more bandwidth to do all of it, right? And have some sort of sense of balance. But I just, I, I've never really strive for that tangent. Uh, so what I do to try to keep things running well is what I'll say. Um, and all that is under my belt is systems. I barely touch my Airbnb business. I barely touch it. Like everything is basically automated. Um, and at this point I'm just kind of checking in here and there. Um, if you don't know, I'm basically house hacking, right? So Yes, guests are actually coming into my home that I live in. And, you know, that could be a little weird. However, um, I've really gotten the systems down where I feel extremely safe and don't have any issues with, um, you know, it interfering with my life at all. So for that one, like I said, it's pretty much automated. And with the others... Um, especially coming coming back to corporate um, the a couple years ago, it it's been an understanding of self awareness, like really understanding that I can do these things and I cannot do these things right now, um, and really just focusing on those things that I have deemed that I can do, and then giving myself grace if I have to take more things off of that list. Um, if you don't know, I am a huge proponent for therapy and uh, I go every Monday at 4 p.m. <laughs> religiously. And she really helps me to stay on, you know, on point when it comes to taking on more projects. Because I get excited, y'all. I just do. I get excited about like, oh my God, I can be, I can make soap <laughs> or I can do this or I can start this. And it's like, girl girl, let's, let's slow down, right? That level of uh, accountability. And so really understanding what you can do and doing that thing. And then when I do work, I try to work smart. Um, I, you know, when I have meetings, I try to stick to the times that we said those meetings would be, um, whether that be having meeting notes or an agenda, like just working smart when it comes to entrepreneurship, you can have like a very lax, like, oh, you know, this is just a fun business, but it's a business. And so if it's a business, you got to run it like one. And I've gotten much better with working smarter and not harder, staying focused. And really, at the end of the day, my entrepreneurial goals and business ventures are fun for me, like super fun. And so I want to keep that going. If it ever becomes not fun, I definitely don't don't want to do that. A couple other last questions shortly. I'll just um, sum these up. Am I in the same career field? Yes, but now I am technically in sales operations and not network operations, which is woo, very different. 
huge learning curve. Y'all pray for me. (laughs) Um, And then how did I prep for the transition back to corporate? Um, As I mentioned, I assessed what I could commit to and then I did that, right? I, I didn't take on more than I could handle. When I went back to work, I was like, so (laughs) whether that be the things that I was working on or with my business partners, it was saying, hey, this is what I have the bandwidth for and how can we make this work? Um, And so if you're familiar with the history of Betterness Box, we were a monthly subscription box, but it was too much. So we had to take a pause and we decided to relaunch as a quarterly subscription box. And it has been amazing because we're able to offer so much more programming and um, really, really dive into the the different themes that we want Black women to incorporate into their wellness routines. And so I think it's, um, it's, it's interesting that when you decide where, you know, your line, your boundary, um, and really how much energy you can give to anything could be your relationship could be your job could be your entrepreneurial goals or ventures that you create room for what it is that you're really supposed to be doing when you kind of put those boundaries in and um you can pivot in in ways that actually are more profitable or more enjoyable or whatever, when you do like those assessments of, okay, wait, what does this look like going forward? Because this ain't it, right? Um, There's just no way that I could do all the things all the time. And I'm okay with that. So this has been the career episode. I don't even know how long this mug is. I, I, I really hope that you guys enjoyed it and got, you know, some good information from it. Um, and, and again, let me know if you liked this way of communicating, right? Where it's super off the cuff. Listen, I hope I didn't say a cuss word. Um, nowhere in here. I can't be having Busy Living Jesus podcast and just be cussing up a storm. Uh, but let me know how you like this episode. Repost it on your stories. Um, tag me so I know you listened. And let me know what you, you liked. Coming up, you're going to hear a little bit more about Money Moves from Modern Women and kind of the origins for that. Stay tuned because Black Friday is going to be bomb. (laughs) All right, y'all. Peace. In the last few months, I've played around with some ideas about how to use my platform. I had to admit that there's a reason why I was inconsistent with my brand, why it felt like another job and wasn't growing like I thought it should. My number one question has been, How can I serve my community the best? It wasn't obvious coming from the natural hair and beauty space. I really had to change my mindset and dig deep. And I thought to myself, I really do live well. Over the years, I've helped others live well too. From providing inspiration to walking them through major life purchases, business ideations and implementation, and so much more. I have mastered turning each of my skills and passions into streams of income that all have been profitable. And it's time to give y'all the goods. It's not like y'all haven't asked for it. I just didn't know how to share the info responsibly where the results would yield transformation in the same ways I had experienced them. Enter Money Moves for Modern Women. It's a new community of women inside the KG lifestyle looking to specifically leverage what God has given them to create the life they want. We are powerful. Our power is from the creator himself and I believe it's our calling 
to serve others by using our gifts. Doing that directly results in a life well lived. Anywho, I am getting way ahead of myself. You can sign up by going to moneymovesformodernwomen.com for now, and you'll learn a lot more in the next few weeks. If you hung in there for this entire episode, you a real one. If you have questions, reactions, or concerns, send them over to busylovingjesus at gmail.com. That's busylovingjesus at gmail.com. You can always hit me up on Twitter or IG as well. Also, if this episode has resonated with you, please share it with two to three friends who need to hear it. That's it for now. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for more episodes. Peace and blessings.